morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 12 of the coaching staff. And as always, with me this evening is my main man, Dean Wormer. No, I'm sorry, Mr. <laughs> Tony Davis. Uh, no, we were having a little Animal House distru- uh, con- conversation before we got going here. So I apologize for that stupidity, but folks, if you're listening, you know, sometimes stuff gets a little stupid between Tony and I, so, uh, but episode 12 of the coaching staff this week, and again, we're kind of going back to our conversation from a few weeks ago, things you need to be talking about, things you need to be thinking about as you're going into your season, and tonight's topic is teaching concepts, how we're teaching the game, things that we need to have in place in order to be a great teacher of the game. And uh, I am ready to dive in. Tony, how about you, buddy? I am. You know, uh, the weather has changed. Uh, We got some much needed rain the past couple days and Mm -hmm. we sat in the 50s today. It's supposed to be upper 30s, low 40s by the end of the week and doggone it, it's basketball weather. It is getting to be that basketball weather and we are excited for it. We've got people that have started practices already uh, in some places, in some states. Uh, their unions have allowed them to start practice. We've had, um, you know, obviously college basketball, small college basketball is up and going. Division one. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday night like usual. So uh, tomorrow, men's and women's college basketball on the NCAA level will be going in full throttle at the Division One level. So it is go time, Tony. It is go time. And we are here to talk about teaching here tonight and, and how to teach the game. So, uh, Tony, I got about five bullet points for now. But I've also, you know, even as we've talked here the last couple of minutes, I've kind of thought of a couple of other things. Uh, but, you know, hey, let's let, let's get going here. Would you want me to start here tonight? Yeah, it sounds like you are very prepared. So let's let's put the ball in your court. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I've got the ball in my court. So pun intended. Uh, all right. So uh, the gym, I, I think the, the the first thing that you need to think of as a teacher uh, is that the gym is your classroom? That I, I don't think you just show up. Uh, you got to have a plan, and and we talked about practice planning last week. Uh, this is your classroom. This is an extension of your classroom, and you have to, as a teacher, you've got to command the room. I think you have to have a presence in the gym. I think you need to practice that presence. I, I think you need to think ahead of how you could handle just the way you you would think of how would you handle uh, Johnny or, or Susie misbehaving in your classroom. Uh, you have to think of, well, what happens if this drill doesn't go the way that we want to? Or what if we're not ready to work as hard as we would like? Or whatever those various scenarios may be. I, I think that the gym is your classroom and you have to come in prepared Every single day, I think it's much better to be over prepared rather than under prepared. Now, for experienced people, we're not the O word, Tony. We're experienced. Uh, we can kind of come in and adjust on the fly a little bit better than a younger coach can, and we can change things up a little bit easier and quicker than a younger coach can because we, you know, we have that experience now underneath our belts, but. Uh, for any coach at any level, if you are going to to make those changes or whatever it may be, you've got to come into every practice 
ready to go, ready to teach. The gym is your classroom. I think for me anyway, that's where everything starts. So uh, that, that's that's my that's my leadoff pitch here. Uh, yeah, and I would I would dovetail a lot off that. You know, a lot of times you take a look at athletics and it's referred to as extracurricular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I 100% echo with what you're saying, the fact that you have to be prepared. Now, the one thing I would also throw in there kind of as a little bit of a flavor on top of that is the fact that there's also a feel to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, coaching, teaching, it's an art. You and can't be robotic. And the that you do yeah. it. Uh, you know, the better that you, that you can become at it if you continue to be a lifelong learner. And, you know, I, I loved a lot of the things that you said, uh, you know, and, and for some in terms of like athletics and sports and stuff, this is why they come to school. If this is kind of the, the hook that you hope, you know, helps to teach them not only the, uh, the great sport of basketball in our situation, obviously there's a lot of other great sports as well, mm-hmm. but it's also one of those things where they can learn lifelong lessons as well discipline you know responsibility and and different things like that and one of those things where you know marty what you're talking about you know that the whole plan thing and i think if you fail to plan you were planning to fail um and so you've got to have some type of plan and there has to be that part in there as well with what i was kind of getting to earlier is that feel being a seasoned experienced coach you know it's one of those things where you know you can you can understand a little bit better are they getting the the lesson are they getting what you're putting down for them and making sure that you know they are understanding it and hopefully they're motivated to be there and and they're absorbing things and it is like a classroom where they're learning a lot but instead of you know in our situation teaching them social studies we're teaching them about basketball and hopefully about life as well Mm -hmm. yep uh all right i got us going here tony what else what's the point that you'd like to share yeah, the, we talked a little bit about this last week. I think I, I, I got us all over the place a little bit last week. That's okay. Um, but, but one of the things that I really touch a lot on is the whole part, whole method. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've talked a little bit about the fact that, you know, figure out and work backwards. You know, you talked about you've got things mapped out and, and things in there. And I mentioned that I started at the first date, began to work backwards and trying to figure out what all I wanted to have in. And so as we get ready to teach these concepts here in about a week or so, What's going to happen is that will be a lot of my method. We'll we'll go whole, we'll part, we'll whole. And I think I mentioned a little bit about this. You know, come January, February, I'll do a lot of like small sided games, but I'm very big into show and go. And mm-hmm. so, you know, whatever it may be, if we're showing an offense, if we're showing what we're trying to get out of maybe a shooting drill or a ball handling drill. I'll show it, and then I have an assistant coach, and so there'll be times that we'll split. I'll take half the guys. I'll take half the guys. You know, and I think a part of what you were talking about earlier with being familiar with your classroom, like we're going to have 20-some guys, and we're going to have one court in an auxiliary gym. Mm-hmm. And so we'll have six extra, you know, we'll have six total baskets and stuff down there as well. But you've really got to plan in because I don't want guys standing around a lot. I want a lot of action, you yeah. know, enough that there's not going to be some time where we're you know, standing and, you know, being being coached and, and instruction and stuff like that. But I really want an, a lot of activity. I try to make sure I design my practice so that we have maximum activity out of the 20 some guys are going to be in that gym with us next week. Mm-hmm. Uh Whole part whole is is definitely on my list, Tony. Uh, I I'm a believer in the same thing. Uh, just a few things to add on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, your your part when you get to the parts, uh, the parts must be quick and they must be concise. I, I think that 
you know, we're dealing with the YouTube TikTok generation, and they're used <laughs> to stuff in short bursts. So uh, you you got to have your drills be three to seven minutes in length, and you can do the same drill uh, for let's say ten minutes, but you got to have three different parts to the drill. Okay, we're gonna for these, you know, and you don't tell the kids this, but okay, after three minutes, okay, now we're gonna do this. Like we do, we do a, a drill a lot. Uh, we call it three on zero shooting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we go three on zero ball screen, and then we go three on zero away screen, and then we go three on zero dribble handoff and come off of it in various different ways. And we're getting a ton of shots up in a short amount of time. And technically it's a 10 minute drill, but for the kids, it's a, it's a three minute drill. And we're hitting these parts short, concise, quick attacking it and then we're bringing it back to the hole very quickly after that and and so that's that's some of the that's one thing i i think you made a great point about reps you gotta get reps uh for for every i always feel like for every second that i'm talking that's one less second that they have a chance to be working on it uh, no matter how i describe it if they're not doing it they're not getting it and and so I think those reps are so important. And I, the third thing I wanted to add to that is teach what you do the most. Uh, you, you know, narrow it down to what you think is are the things that you're going to use the most. You visualize your team and you go, this is what I think we're going to do the most. And I just, you know, passing, shooting. Uh, closeouts, rebounding, half-court offense, half-court defense, transition, that type of stuff. That's what you're going to do the most. So mm-hmm. when, when, you're, when you're doing that, get those reps on that stuff. Uh, nothing drives me more nuts than – and I understand that there's a need for that type of stuff, but uh, nothing drives me more nuts than the coach on the sc- sideline who's screaming at the kid saying – you need to do your Euro duck through Greek double twist jump pass flip that we worked on. Well, why the heck are you wasting practice time working on that? And again, I know you need players that can make plays. I mean, that's that's the that's the coin of the realm. I get that. But once we get into our season, I'm going to focus on what we're doing the most. And double dip Euros behind the back dunkaroos are not what we're going to be doing the most. And and so. You know, those type of things. And when you do all those reps, uh, you know, when you're breaking that down, whole part, whole. When you're doing those reps, uh, I I really, you know, I kind of go back to uh, the Karate Kid. You know, Daniel's doing the wax on, wax off, uh, paint the fence up and down, mm-hmm. uh, sand the floor, and, and then you put it all together and you try to show your kids that here's why we're doing all these parts because eventually it's going to lead to this hole. So uh, I, I love what you said there, Tony. That's my that's my three minute diatribe on whole part whole and some of the things that I was thinking about as well. You brought up a really good point. You know, there are some coaches who love to hear themselves talk. Yes. And I remember a coach one time saying that with today's, you know, athlete, you have to teach in sound bites, not doctrinal dissertations. Yeah. And I thought that was really, really good because their their attention span, I'll say it's seven seconds, and that may be generous. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no, nah. uh, but yeah, you're right though. Uh, 
you, it is bullet points. You know, Kevin Eastman talks about bullet points. Uh, Rick Pitino, uh, he always talks seven-second corrections, and that's why I always tell my assistants, if we have to talk to him for more than seven seconds, pull him off the floor, put somebody else in, talk to him on the side if it's going to be longer than seven seconds. Let's keep it rolling here. Let's keep it rolling. Mm-hmm. So um, here's, you know, I think here's the thing. We are teachers, we are teaching, and in our situation where we're teaching high school kids, uh, and then, again, this is something that's come from experience, it's all about teaching, teaching, teaching. A lot of times we go, well, I taught you that. Well, if they haven't, if they haven't, if they're not doing it yet, then you haven't taught them yet, or they haven't had enough reps at it yet, and sometimes we as coaches believe that, well, we worked on this for a couple of days. We should have this. Well, what's the old thing, Tony? Two minutes to learn a drill, two weeks to perfect the drill, two weeks to uh, perfect the skill, or two months to perfect the skill, or whatever it may be. I, yeah. There's there's something out there like that. And, and so we get frustrated, and then the kids get tentative because we're screaming at them because we feel like they should have it. Well, if they don't have it, we got to keep teaching. We got to keep teaching. And I know that's something that I've tried to do a lot better job at in my uh current job is that it's just it's teaching 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 the entire time there's a disconnect somewhere you know and they talk a lot about needing to differentiate your instruction you know for each you know for potentially each learner but definitely those who aren't getting it it's the same type of thing you know in the gymnasium as well if they're not getting it you have to differentiate it and because there's a disconnect somewhere and if you expect them to know that you've got to put it in a way that they understand it and and can do it Mm -hmm. yep Exactly. Uh, what else you got, Tony? Another one that we, we do a lot of is breaking it down into post-perimeter work. And I know, you know, in today's game, it's really, you know, kind of the rage is positionless basketball. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll do some things like that. But we take a lot of times, and, and, you know, 10, 12 minutes each practice. Like I said, I have an assistant coach. He'll take the post guys. Uh, he played post in, in high school. He's a Kennedy grad. He does a fantastic job with our young sophomore post players. And then I'll take the perimeter kids and we'll work on skills like that. And then every once in a while, you know, uh, you know, a few times a year, what will happen is I'll take the post guys and we work on some guard stuff. He'll take the guard guard players, we'll go down there and work on some post ups and some different things that they need to do on that. It's just kind of fun to, you know, throw a curveball that way. But we won't be an overly tall team this year. We'll run a lot of five out offense, I'm assuming. And so it'll be a situation where, you know, we'll, we'll maybe do a little bit more of, you know, breaking them up and allowing the guards to work on post stuff and post guys to work on guard stuff because there'll be times when we'll have a post player that will bring it up and initiate our offense and mm-hmm. we might post a guard up depending upon their matchup mm-hmm. i i know exactly what you're saying there when i was at scott uh, we had 15 uh a minimum of 10 sometimes as much as 20 minutes a day of allowing my assistants to take the kids into the, their postcard breakdown stuff and, and mm-hmm. work on their individual skills. And I was really lucky. Uh, I had three really good assistants for about eight years in a row, and they did a terrific job. And it was an opportunity for me. And most of the time when that happened, Tony, I would literally just step back and watch. Let them teach, maybe talk to a kid on a sideline, maybe just drop in a little something here or there. But I let my co- assistant coaches coach during those 
periods of practice and it was good for them to hear it from somebody else i think mm-hmm. sometimes like you were saying tony some uh some coaches like to hear themselves talk i think it's good as a head coach to sometimes limit your own voice in practice let other uh let your assistant coaches talk so that when you do use your voice it's much more effective as well and i think that's to to coach to not to coach sometimes is to coach and, and allowing your assistants to figure it out, allowing your players to figure out what's going on. So, yeah, and I think it's empowering for those assistant coaches too, because then their voice gets to be heard. They build credibility with those players because, you know, each has kind of like their own role and stuff like that. But a lot of times the assistant coach is the good cop, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so the more you can empower them and build those relationships and help them, you know, positionally and stuff, I think it just goes a lot and helps those. And I've got to, younger guy that's my assistant coach he's in his 30s he does a fantastic job um you know and and has aspirations of one day wanting to be the sophomore head coach at kennedy and so that's a part of my goal is that when i finally decide to step away that he's ready to step in there and and he'll do a fantastic job Mm -hmm. coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. You remember our 30s, don't you, Tony? Did, did? Yeah, that was that was, a, was a day or two ago. It was, it was six days ago, I think it was. So, um, is it my turn? I think you're up. Oh, okay. Uh, energy. If you're going to be a teacher, uh, energy is a must. If if you're a coach, you have to bring energy every single day. And there are days where you are not going to feel it. Without a doubt, there's days you're not going to feel it. There's days where you know, as a teacher, I go in the classroom and I'm sitting there going. Oh man, we have to talk about the the Sherman Antitrust Act today. I would, uh, but you know what? If I don't have energy, my history students are going to not get the Sherman Antitrust Act, and they're going to rebel, and it's going to be a pain. In- so I've got to bring that energy to get them excited about it, and so that we can continue to move forward in our studies. If you're a, if you're a coach, if you're a head coach, if you're an assistant coach, you have to have energy every single day you got to bring that energy uh if you're not going to be excited they're not going to be excited and then you've wasted a day you know just because you simply could not find that within yourself i mean think we are so blessed that and i tell my kids this all the time we are so blessed that a big part of our life is that we spend a lot of time having five people out on the floor and trying to take this ball and throw it through this metal hoop hanging 10 feet above the ground and trying to do that a lot more than somebody else is. I mean, think about that. Think about how lucky we are that we have that. So if you can't get excited about that, uh, then what can you get excited for? Uh, And like I said, there's going to be days where you don't have it. You got to fake it. Uh, Kevin Cush, 
yep. he was the the uh, football coach out at uh, Boys Town here. And if you don't have it, you have to fake it. You have to fake that energy, that enthusiasm, and bring it on a daily basis. Otherwise, you're wasting a practice, and somebody else is taking advantage of you wasting a practice. And that's one less practice that you have for your team to get better. And so I think that's so important that you have to find that focus to get better and to to bring that energy to get your team going forward with the energy that is needed to get better that day. Yeah, there's nothing that's ever been accomplished that's that's been great that hasn't been done with a lot of energy and excitement. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you were talking about fake it. Yeah, fake it until you make it. And I've heard the, the quote before, there are three three people that can have a bad practice in basketball. Your best player, your point guard, and the head coach. Those yep. three cannot have a bad practice. Now, does that mean that we're going to be, you know, at our dead level best every day? No, but you've got to you got to give the best you can for that day. And a part of it is bringing the energy and the enthusiasm, you know, to, to do things that, that inspire others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, you're right. Uh, you know, you're kind of funny. I just had that conversation with my point guard the other day about the years and, and uh, with probably my best returning player, you know, you know, and, and here, here is the burden. You, you want to be a leader. Here's part of the burden. And it's not a burden per se. Again, there's a lot worse things that we could be doing with our life, you know. But you know, here it is, and and you gotta you gotta be ready for it. And and so you you say you want leadership responsibilities. Well, here's here's where it starts. You can't have a bad day. You got to be ready to go every day. Doesn't mean you're gonna play great every day, but you got to be ready to go every day. Have to, have mm-hmm. to, have to. So, what else you got, Tony? You know, one of the things that we kind of break down our, our practice with is we kind of have a template where we start off, um, you know, a, a good friend of mine who coached with me in Harlan, he's now the principal at Mount Vernon, um, he introduced me, he said, hey, Tony, form running and dynamic stretching to start practice every day. He goes, I used to want to put the car in gear right away, and these kids hadn't maybe been in this classes to all, you know, together, and so they get in the gym and they want to talk to each other. He goes, so what I did is I just did this form running and dynamic stretching for the first, and you, know, you start off, you do it for like 10 minutes at the beginning of the year, you drop her down to eight, and then by the end of the year, you can probably get it all done in six because they know the routine and everything. He goes, but it gave them the first, you know, six, eight, 10 minutes just to kind of visit, and it warmed them up. And he goes, and I found myself not getting upset as much early in practice putting the basketballs up, making them run, and they have a bad experience. I start off with a bad attitude. I just allow them to start with this, and it worked out really well because I hardly ever had them run after that. And so we we introduced that. Oh, it's been over 10 years ago now, and I would echo that 100% with what he's saying there. Then after we get out of our form running stuff and dynamic stretching, we usually do some type of ball handling, passing type stuff. Then we get into the whole fast break thing because that's one of the big staples of our program. We want to play fast, and so we'll do you know layups and some three on two, two on one, uh, you know whatever whatever fast break drill we happen to have in there. And then we start working our way into uh, post perimeter stuff, and then we get into defensive breakdowns on some stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll do that, and then after our defensive breakdowns, then we get into rebounding. After rebounding, we usually do some type of shooting drill, and then after that, we start with the whole stuff as, as far as now we're starting mm-hmm. to hammer in our five on five defense we're starting to work on our you know offensive stuff that we put in there and then we usually uh, do some type of scrimmage and then we close things out without a bounce plays or some type of game to end practice whether mm-hmm. it's a 21 
whether it's cutthroat, whatever the case may be, but to usually end practice on some type of upbeat drill um, that they enjoy and they get a lot of got a lot of effort in there and whether or not they know it, they're getting a lot of conditioning in on that yeah. rather than just, okay, we're going to run, you know, what do you call them? Killers or, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I that's think... kind of the template that we follow. And it, it's been, it's been pretty good that way. Yeah. A um, couple things. Um, I think you bring up a great point that as a coach, if you're smart, you got to let those kids blow off some steam in between you know, in theory, an intense day of, of academics in some way, shape, or form. And and for some kids, the intense part of the day is not necessarily maybe uh, learning about the Sherman Antitrust Act, but it's the so- social stuff that's going on in their lives, whether it's uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, they're in a spat with people, or, oh my gosh, is, is he or she going to ask me to the dance, or, you know, all that other stuff. And... Yep. And then you're going to ask for them to gear it up again for you for 90 to 120 minutes, you know. So I think it's important that, you know, we as teachers, we get a 45 to 50 minute free period every day to gear down, to do whatever we need to do. We got to give a little bit of that to the kids. And and so kind of our rule is we get out at 310. We They're supposed to be in the gym by about at the latest, 325. And our school is a small school, so it doesn't take them long to get there. Um, and we start at 335. And, and and pretty much from 310 to 335, they can do whatever they want to do as long as they get their 33-shot warm-up in by the time 335 hits. Now, when 335 hits, when that buzzer goes, now it's my time. But I have kind of in a, you know, I just, okay, you better be ready to go. However, you're ready to go, and and you better be ready to go at that time. Uh, you know, let's let's get ready to play. But I think it's important to give kids an opportunity to to blow off that scene, like like uh, steam. Excuse me. Uh, like we said, sometimes to coach is not to coach, and sometimes you just have to bite your lip. And maybe you're sitting there going, "Why aren't they more ready to? You know, just <laughs> we're gonna, you know." Uh, sometimes you need to let that happen. Sometimes you need to let that happen on bus rides. You know. Um, you, you've lost a tough game and, you know, for us, you know, we play, most of our games are double headers for us. So we play our game and let's say we have a tough loss. Well, by the time we get on the bus after the boys game is over, it's been an hour and a half, two hours, uh, since our game has been over. And I kind of want them to let go of it a little bit at that point. You know, our, our, our motto is uh, if we win, hey, enjoy it till your head hits the pillow, and then we get ready to go again tomorrow. If we lose, it's, hey, let it bother you till your head hits the pillow, then we get up and we got to get better tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's kind of the mantra that we've gone with. And, and so I think that, you know, sometimes, again, sometimes to coach is not to coach. And you got to let those kids kind of be kids, be kids, and, and that type of thing. Um, you were talking about your template. Uh, I love the template that you were talking about there. We're I'm a little bit different. I'll I'll change my stuff up every every now and then. I mean, we kind of have a base, you know, a lot of fundamentals, then offense, uh, offense five on zero, go through. Maybe if we have an install, that's when we put it in, you know, so forth and so on. And kind of like a lot of people, 
uh, we do a lot of things, and then we usually end with whatever scrimmage control controlled scrimmage situation that we have. But sometimes we'll do a couple of things, and we'll do a controlled scrimmage for 15 minutes just to get them going and get them ready to go. Or we'll hit right away with uh, a couple of full court drills right away to start practice to get them going here. And we try to keep them on their toes a little bit more with our template. Uh, just because I want them to be ready for about as many different scenarios as we can be. Eventually, throughout the course of that practice, we're going to hit a ton of shooting. We want our kids, our goal every day is to get 250 shots a day for each player, approximately. Um, Mm -hmm. We want to obviously hit all the basic fundamentals of the game. We want to work on our motion movement and coming off screens. We want to work on our shell drill. We want to work on offensive and defensive transition. But we're a little bit more fluid, and I'm a little bit more apt to slide a lot of different things around just to give our kids different looks and keep them on their toes to keep them mentally fresh. And, and it forces them to concentrate. So they're so for us, anyway, or for me, my philosophy is, okay, so we're doing this now, which means we're going to do this next, and we're going to do this next, which means we're almost to the end of practice so I just got to kind of do this and and that's kind of my thought process in that regard and I'm not saying my way is right or wrong it's just kind of the way we do things Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's not I mean that's not something that we do like it's not the same practice every day it's just kind of our template and there are times that we'll flip things around like we might start off kind of get them warmed up and okay we're going to scrimmage right away today because we had just put in something last night. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. You want to keep them on their toes so that they, you know, not, I wouldn't say not necessarily know what to expect, but, you know, are ready for anything kind of like what you were talking about. But yeah, I'm, I'm you know, just kind of a, a my thought going into it a little bit and we'll, we'll change things up. Like oh, there sure. might be late yeah. game situations that we're working on. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, and now with the shot clock, that's also going to be something new that we'll yeah. make sure that we put put some emphasis on. And, and I guess when, when I say that, to, and I know that, I mean, we've known each other a long time. We've talked about this before, you know, there, there's fluidity with, with stuff. And um, I, I just think for coaches, don't get in a rut with your practice planning. Yes. Uh, just like in your classroom, just don't lecture five days a week. Uh, just don't give worksheets five days a week or whatever. Yep. You know, you, packets or whatever, yeah. Yeah, you've got you've to gotta have some... Uh, you got to have some change of pace. You got to keep them interested, that type of thing. So, um, do you have anything else, Tony? Um, you know, one of the things that you know we were talking a little bit about earlier was you know with the teaching methods is making sure as well that in practice we really try to make sure that we're doing a lot of coaching in practice because the game's going to move so quick that you know one of the things that we like to make sure that we're doing in practice if a kid has a question. You know, and, and what we don't want to do is for them to take the question. That question takes 10, 15 minutes and you're like going through. We may pull them off like, OK, you got a question on this. And a lot of times we'll bring in some type of whiteboard into practice. Mm-hmm. And so my assistant coach or myself may have someone off on the side, you know, kind of drawing through things and explaining things a little bit better. Um, but we just want to make sure that a lot of practice, because at my level, you know, with being the sophomore coach is I completely understand, especially, you know, with, with coaching boys, they are not a finished product when I have them. Yep. And I want to make sure they have a good experience with me. They keep wanting to play basketball, both their junior and senior year. Um, and so that's something else with putting a lot of emphasis on fundamentals. Uh, we just hammer that a lot because of the fact that, you know, 
not sure how much ball they've played. Uh, they might be a late bloomer type of thing. And so, you know, just making sure we give them some grace, we give them an opportunity to, to make some mistakes and to continue to grow and develop, knowing that hopefully that junior and senior year will be the best years of their high school. And, you know, if they have those aspirations to go on and play in college as well, that we're making sure that that fundamental base is strong for us. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think that's a great, you know, uh, Coach McCowan is really lucky to have you as a sophomore coach because you just you have that perspective. You know, you're not chasing something for yourself. You're doing things to help set him up and you know what he needs. And so I think that you have got the perfect perspective for the job that you have there, Tony. So uh, I appreciate that. When when you know I stopped being a head coach a handful of years ago, uh, one of the things I had a really good assistant and kind of modeled myself a little bit after what he did for me and then also thought to myself you know I wanted to be the type of assistant that I would have wanted and you know making sure that it's not about wins and losses it's about continuing to develop them as players and young men yeah um I only had one more thing to go here Tony um and I tell the kids this uh the biggest thing uh, you know, I think it's part of the social contract between player and coach. You as a player are asking a lot of us as coaches to do a lot of things, but there's two non-negotiables I've got to have from you kids. And it is, you got to play as hard as you can all the time and you've got to concentrate to the best of your ability. And we're pretty blunt about that. Um, and I tell them, if you, if I feel like that you are playing as hard as you can, and I feel like that you are concentrating to the best of your ability then it's up to me to teach you. You're giving me everything that you can, regardless of your skill level, whether you're an all-conference, all-stater, or you're a kid that has barely picked up a basketball. Uh, but those are the two non-negotiables. That's that's the two non-negotiables of the social contract between you and I. That's what you need to fulfill. Then I'll take care of everything else. I'll do everything I can to put you in the right spot to be successful. I'll teach you the fundamentals of the game to the best of my ability. I'm going to try and give you a great experience, so forth and so on down the line. Uh, but those are the two things that you have to give me. Otherwise, this just isn't going to work. And I've been really blunt with that. And for the most part, my kids have been really, really good about delivering on on that. Uh, I, I don't have, especially my new job. Uh, my kids have been absolutely awesome when it comes to uh, concentration and their effort. Uh, I can hardly, I can think of one bad game in, uh, well, two bad games in in two years and maybe two bad practices. I mean, our kids have really tried to uh, do everything that they can to to fulfill that stuff. And, and I think uh, that's a big reason for the growth that we've, had and hopefully we're able to continue that here in a week or so so um yeah you got to control the controllables yeah. and those controllables are attitude and effort you know i had a conversation with a guy one time who i really respected and he said you know tony i think the team that plays the hardest when 70 percent of of the time regardless of the talent differential mm -hmm. and i didn't know if i 100 percent bought that but if you can get a team that just plays with passion and plays hard i mean as a coach you were talking about, you know, when your head hits the pillow, you're going to sleep a lot better at night if that happens. Yes. And, you know, one of the bigger compliments I've had, I've been in a few different places and I've had multiple coaches come up and go, you know, Tony, uh, we've had, we've had this conversation amongst different ones and your team out of any team, girls or boys that we've seen 
plays the hardest in our conference. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, I couldn't really think of a much better compliment yeah. than that. Yeah. How hard kids play. Yep. That's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for. You know, um, in my two years here, uh, we're 17 and 30, but we started out two and 12. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know. This is why I teach history. And we're, we're 15 and 15 uh, since the two and 12 start. Wait, no, that's bad math. Whatever it 15 is. 15 and 18. 15 and 18. All right. Yeah. Just <laughs> don't let me balance my checkbook anytime soon. <laughs> Carlos got to do that. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, a lot of that I really think is our kids come in and they have really bought into those things. And and once they figured out that there was going to be uh, some results at the end of it, all it did was just – but but that was the first thing we had to ask is you got to play really hard all the time. There's there's no, well, I feel like playing hard today or I feel like concentrating today. you got to do it all the time. And mm-hmm. and they've done a terrific job with it. I just can't. I, I just can't say enough about my kids. They're they're just terrific, and they've they've busted their tails for me. And hopefully, this next edition will continue to bust their tails. So, you know, and Marty, you're a man of character too, and you, you treat people the right way. And I think a part of that is you're a person of your word. And when you were talking earlier about, hey, you know, if if you work your hardest and you pay attention and, and try your best at those things. I'm going to, my job to put you in the right position to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think your, your players, because of that, you know, you truly have your heart in the right place. You want what's best for them. I think that's a big part of why, why your kids are, are having the success that they are and making the improvements that they've made. Yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks so much. Uh, that means a lot. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. All right, Tony. It's time. It's time for a little trivia. Are you ready? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. What's this? Right, you're up six, seven, six, six. I think it's six five. But six five. I could be okay. wrong. Okay. Um, call Brandon real quick. He'll tell us. So anyway, whatever it is, <laughs> I know Tony's ahead. Brandon, fill us in when you get a chance. All right, buddy. But I think I've got your dad on this one. So I I, I had to Uh-oh. crank it up a little bit here. Okay. It's still attainable, Tony. It's still attainable, but. It's going to be a little bit tougher. I'm telling you that right now. All right. Are you ready, oh, sir, for oh. this week's trivia question? Yeah. Men's college basketball. Three coaches in NCAA Division I men's basketball history have won a national championship both as a player and as a coach. Name two of them. I'm going to go John Wooden. Is that one correct? That is incorrect. Incorrect? Yeah, he incorrect. didn't. Win. He's just a Hall of Fame yeah. as a player and a coach. Yeah. Crap. I thought um, you were. Gonna, I thought you were going to say another name. That's why I paused. So it wasn't <laughs> for dramatic effect. I was just like waiting for another name. So no, John Wooden is incorrect because I asked for two. 
I'll give you I'll give you three guesses to get one of them right, and if you get one of them right, I'll give you another one. Okay. Wow. All right. So we were winning a national championship as a player and as a coach. Yes. And any any part of the coach, like an assistant coach, or does it have to be head coach? They're head coach. Um, I'm going to fire out there a Roy Williams. That is incorrect. You have one guess left. Dang it. Ha, ha, ha. Man, I am bad at this one. Um, crap. I'm just thinking of recent ones, and I cannot think of any of them that would have won it as a player. Let's go. Okay. No, can't be that one. Um, shoot. Bob Knight. That is correct. You've got one more <sighs> guess to get one of the other two. <laughs> I'm going to start playing some Europe's It's the Final <laughs> Countdown here. I am struggling on this last one. And I've got two, and I don't know if I'm going to get either of them. Let's go with... i got to have an answer. I want to say Jay Wright, but I don't think Jay won it as a player. That is incorrect. Dang it. Okay. Uh, Bobby Knight won at Ohio State. As a player, and then, and then in Indiana. Indiana. Okay. Dean Smith. I was going to freaking say Dean Smith. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, uh, both at North Carolina. And then the huh. third, the, the third one was really hard. So Bobby Knight and Dean Smith, obviously, very, very well known. The third yeah. one, it, it, th- if you'd have gotten the third one, I would have just, we would have ended this podcast. You, the coaching staff would be over right now. <laughs> Joe B. Hall. Kentucky. Yes, he won with Adolph Rupp, and yeah. then he won, and I think it was seventy-seven. They won in the title, so so we're not at six. Yeah, I, I, yes, Brandon Viss, tell us if that's official or not. But we <laughs> think it's six to six. So, Tony, sporting event you're looking forward to this week? You've already alluded to it. I am a kid in a candy store as uh, the NCAA basketball season tips off tomorrow. You know, I was trying to flip through earlier looking at monday tuesday wednesday's games and you know in the past they've done where they bring in like four of the top teams and they play in the same location but i could not find if they were doing that this uh-huh. year or not oh that, that champions be... classic i think that might be later on that might be like early next week uh um, okay yeah because it's like kansas kentucky something michigan state yeah. and duke they usually battle it out or something like that so um, but yeah, it's coming. I thought they were doing some aircraft carrier game again. Oh, were they? Oh, I didn't know that. I, th- I thought I had read that somewhere, but you know, I can't pick out Dean mm-hmm. Smith and Adolf or uh, Dean Smith and Joby Hall either. So it might be I, me just making crap up. Uh, Joby Hall, you? It, it, like I said, if you'd have gotten Joby Hall, I would have drove into Cedar Rapids and just hugged <laughs> you and just said, "I'm not worthy." You know, I'd have, I'd have given you the Wayne and Garth right there. So uh, I too uh, looking forward. Uh, 
you know, by the time folks listen to this, uh, I will have been at two Nebraska games. They play Maine tomorrow night, and then they've got uh, Nebraska-Omaha on Thursday night. So uh, they should be 2-0, and uh, really, yeah. you know, so um, excited for that. Uh, my son's really excited. Uh, he gets to go listen, you know, uh, what a great – he gets to go to, in, in less than a month's time, he's going to go to New York and be at St. John's, which is one of the top 10 winningest programs in history. Then he's going to Orlando for four or five days at Disney World or whatever because they're playing in a preseason tournament there. And then he'll be at Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, all within the span of about three weeks. So not a bad gig for a 22-year-old guy. So Not a bad gig at all. Let him know if he wants to flip spots and come (laughs) teach some history and coach some sophomore boys basketball. We can switch. I don't think he will. So, uh, But I'm excited for Michael. Uh, for yeah. his start of his season, uh, Carter has a big, big game tomorrow night. He's up at South Dakota State with the women's team. They're defending WNIT champs. He got a ring, Tony. Oh my gosh, he got wow. a ring, and I mean it's a ring, ring. And uh, uh, they open up tomorrow night with Creighton, so a top twenty matchup oh, wow. to start the season between two. Uh, what you know used to be kind of I-29 rivals, but uh, uh, it's going to be up in Brookings. It's going to be a heck of a game. I wish I could be there for it, but just uh, don't have the uh, ability to do that. So uh, we're, you know, so we're going to, Carl and I are going to have our eyes on two different games at once tomorrow night. So uh, it's going to be kind of a tough go, but it, it's a, it's a great problem to have. Uh, uh, hopefully both of, by the time folks hear this, hopefully both of my boys are 3-0 and by the time everybody hears this on Friday morning. So yeah, we'll best see. of luck to both of them. Yeah, yeah, should be good. So, all right, Mr. Viss, anything to add to this week's podcast? You know, it's just one of those things where you know, I, I think we've we've hit this as kind of like you're hammering home the same point again. But just make sure that you have a plan in place. Not that there can't be some feel. Not that there's not an art to it and stuff like that. But have some type of structure and make sure, like you know, you mentioned there, Marty, as well not the same practice all the time, you know, keep them on their toes, make sure you keep it exciting and interesting and bring that energy. But those were, were kind of my big takeaways tonight. Absolutely. I agree with you there, Tony. So, all right, uh, folks, hope you really enjoyed this. The coaching staff episode 12, we're talking about teaching methods and how to teach and what to teach and what you need to do as a teacher in your classroom, which is the gymnasium. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email me at pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe if you would. The subscribers are going up. I really, really appreciate that. Obviously, if you have any questions for Tony, you can reach out to him on Twitter at Tony Davis. And, you know, just, just, just let us know. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if you like this or not. We're having a blast doing this for you, and and hopefully we're helping a a bunch of people out. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 